head down. Go ahead. Oh, you ready to move? Let's go. You wanna sit in the cool? Come on. Wanna keep on dancing? Uh -oh. Uh -oh. Wanna run in my mansion? Uh -oh. Uh -oh. Sit in VIP? You're listening to 2, 5, and 10, your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to episode 123 of 2, 5, and 10. I must say, Happy New Year. This is a, a brand new, a fresh start for all of us here. I got to be honest, I am four days into dry January, <laughs> and, and I am already having problems. Benny, what up, baby? Dry January, I haven't heard that in a while. Uh, but yeah, Happy New Year. Uh, it's amazing how much four days can make a change in how everything is going on. There's no more COVID protocol. The league is back to normal. Everybody's healthy. Is this this year? <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say, just speaking of the dry January, uh, someone had said it to me, and I was like, all right, whatever, like, no big deal, I can do it. And I'm not a guy who, like, comes home and drinks every day, like, there, there's a problem. That's not me, like, I'll drink a beer here and there during the week, not not a big deal. But today I came home and I'm making tacos for Cammy, and I was like, I can crack a beer right now, and I was like, oh, wait. It's just this new new month, new year, new me. I gotta I gotta wrap it in, and and I did not. I, I held strong, but it was it was just weird not being able to reach for one. What like, um, what would have tempted you? I, I don't know. I I think there's just something about cooking tacos that that just goes good with a beer. Like you know, sometimes Mexican just you know crack open a Corona. Have a Corona. <laughs> yeah, you know, like and it's like I'll have two. Like it's, it's not like I'm fucking like cranking down a twelve pack of them. Like I'd usually just have two, and that's it. But I was like, all right. So I, I am trying to cut down on the carbs. I'm not gonna lie. So um, uh, hopefully we're going good. Four days into it, I'm going strong, pal. You just can't make up for it when February comes around. That defeats the whole purpose. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, listen, I'm not going for a whole good year i'm just going you know one solid month you know just detox and we'll, we'll be all right <laughs> um so i don't know where you want to start uh getting into the hockey talk here we don't have too much in the way of a plan in terms of topics um we are definitely avoiding the new any... york islanders just like everybody else in the league <laughs> we're avoiding any drawn out conversation of covid with the nhl and uh, how it's impacting the league because at this point we've said all we wanted to say and I feel like everybody just wants to hear hockey talk. Nobody wants to hear about how the hockey talk relates back to everything else going on. So I think we're going to keep it strictly hockey this week. Next week that's up in the air in case something uh, forces our hand. But in the meantime, we have a couple of topics to talk about. I think let's start with the young kids. Let's do it. I know you're big on the prospects. You're a prospect expert here. Thursday night, this coming Thursday, January 6th, Minnesota against Boston. Pretty good matchup. The Wild called up Matthew Boldy, Miko Rossi. They're making an NHL debuts together against the Bees. What do you think about their uh, potential in the league and also just the comeback, for, uh, the comeback that Rossi made from where he was at the beginning of the pandemic, essentially. Yeah, I was going to touch on that comeback. Uh, uh, he was in some 
trouble. Le- yeah. Like legitimately, basically had to start over. I had to learn how to walk again. He was just completely beat up there. Um, now, before all this, if you talked to me about Marco Rossi, I would say he was a great prospect. Uh, finally got his way back up to there because we didn't know what was going to happen. And as just a person, you're, you're very happy and excited for the kid. Uh, Matt Boldy, I'll tell you what, man, that kid is a player. Uh, saw him at BC the whole time he was there. Uh, grew up here, local boy. I know he played over at Dexter. He is He's a hockey player. He has very high hockey IQ. I think... Um, Minnesota has two very good players just right there for the taking. And with all of the shit that's gone on this year between injuries, the C word and everything else, I think it's going to be hard to take these two kids out of the lineup once they get into it. Yeah. Especially since the wild, they've lost five in a row and then they make this, these two moves. So I think it's the classic, the GM's calling up, the young, highly touted prospects who are going to bring some energy to the lineup. They're making a debut. A lot of times you hear veterans say that's kind of contagious to see young kids coming in, playing with a jump in their step because they're making their NHL debuts. They're playing in a league for the first time, kind of reignites the team vibe a little bit. Um, So this is a pretty classic move. And also, like you said, the Wild themselves dealing with injuries, uh, Talbot's out. Uh, Spurgeon's out, Greenway's out, Erickson Eck is out, Jonas Brodine just returned today uh, from protocol, uh, and then Nick Busat left practice with a pretty significant injury. So they're going to get minutes. They're not going to be buried on the fourth line. Um, both of them have played well in AHL. This is their his first year, Rossi's first year in AHL. He has 23 points in 21 games. He's only 20 years old, I think, right? 21. Uh, yeah. Boldy's twenty. Yeah, Boldy has twenty-eight points in twenty-four games in the AHL. Uh, both were late cuts from the roster during training camp. So I, I, they should be getting top six minutes. You know, put them in there, see what they got. If you got to move them down to the third line at some point, uh, hopefully just do to the team getting healthy. That's fine. But ride them, see what they got going on. Like this reminds me of when the Rangers brought in Kreider during the playoffs uh, uh, way back in the day. They just threw him right on the top line, first power play unit, and said, all right, kid, see us, show us what you got. Uh, no, I, I think these two are players. I, I think, like I said, I don't think they're going to go back down. Uh, one question I have for you, and, and it could just be spit-firing and kind of bullshit-ish, but do you think so now? This is another nationally televised game for the Wild right after that Winter Classic, which yep. did not go their way. Do you think this is a way to kind of keep it uh, fun and exciting for them, not just for the for the veterans to give them a different look, but kind of like, hey, guys, we're, we're playing two back-to-back nationally televised games. Like, let's fucking go here. Yeah, that could be part of the decision-making. I think it's, it's obviously always going to go back to being hockey-related. I think they see that the start that they had to this year, and they want to kind of nip this slide in the butt. So they're having, they're calling up these two very productive young kids, inserting them into the lineup and hoping the rest of the guys get healthy pretty soon, especially with the updated protocol uh, situation. Um, I mean, by the way, speaking about the Winter Classic, the highest televised regular season game ever. 
with ratings was this past winter classic with the wild and the blues kind of crazy too that this one was on tnt not nbc and you're you're pulling in numbers like that yeah i also think it helps that they kept promoting just how cold it was <laughs> so it kind of had that uh uh what's the word i'm looking for here like the novelty act of let's see how this game is in like negative 20 degree weather um but they drew 1.4 million viewers uh the most watched nhl game this season and then it tied a game between the flyers and the florida panthers in 2000 for the most viewed regular season game of all time um, I will say I was dying that one guy that's holding the sign that says I'm cold. Like, yeah. <laughs> you don't say foul, huh? Um, but yeah, so I like this move out of wild. You can't lose anything. I mean, even if they, they don't play well, they get their feet wet in the league and they go back to the AHL and they know what they got to work on. So I think it's a no-lose situation. And I think this is the right coaching staff to do it with. So um We'll say they all just got extensions too. Yeah, well deserved. And I know when they made that move and it brought uh, Everson in, you said long time coming, like he's earned his shot and he's really run with it here. Yeah, I mean, a long time assistant in Washington. And I mean, the guys had nothing but respect for him there. And like I said, great that he finally got a chance. And like he took a bite, took the dog on a walk, got, <laughs> got the boy in a leash. And one last thing about Minnesota. So they're playing. I think besides uh, the Metropolitan Division, probably the toughest division in the league. I know the Atlantic has four heavyweights, but it's basically four heavyweights and that's it. Like you knew who were going to be playoff teams in that division before the season started. Oh, yeah. This division was a crapshoot. We, we didn't know who was yeah. going to end up where. So right now, as at the time of this recording, you have the Blues, Predators, Wild, uh, Avalanche, and Jets all within eight points of each other for the division lead. And then you still have Dallas who's one two in a row and Jamie Benz out of protocol. So they might make a little bit of a run here. Um, but at this point, you have six teams that could win a division and any number of teams combination finishing that one through four spot, one through three spot. And I know Colorado's look much better recently, especially offensively. Uh, the games against the Rangers was were pretty eye-opening in terms of just the ease that they have of generating offense. They have a few games in hand, but they're still, they're 18 and 10, essentially. They're 38 points, 679 point percentage, which isn't like great. Like it's, it's good. It's not great. How long into the season before you start going, wait, is this over getting out of Colorado this year? I'm hoping that within this next month, the NHL as a whole can get back to a complete schedule and stop yeah, playing games. Yeah, because I just think that this whole year so far has just been an absolute crapshoot. I mean, the, the Bruins themselves currently only 28 games, Tampa at 34. I mean, that, that's a six-game swing. You yeah. know, like, like a lot of things can happen in that amount of time. So Colorado, same spot, 28 games played. I, I think it's difficult. It's been difficult for teams to get into a, a rhythm here. But just on the Colorado team itself, I mean, this team is built to be a lot better. Yeah. So 
Yeah, I mean, I I'm not hitting the panic alarm, but I am saying kind of like, boys, like like we have Kill McCarr, we have all the firepower up front, and McKinnon and Landeskog and Rantanen, like we have the big fellas and Kadri, like what's going on here? We need to be able to perform on a more consistent basis. And not that I want to give them any type of cover here, but the team that's gotten screwed over the most in the league this year has to be the Islanders. Not only did they not have a home game until mid-November, but they've had... Do they ever win in that building yet? Or still haven't? I think they've won one game in that arena. One in it, okay. Um, So they start the year on a road from basically early October to mid-November. Then... I think they're almost at 10 games being postponed. They're only at 28 games played. Talk about not being able to get into a rhythm, especially for a team that relies on riding their goaltenders. So neither goaltender is able to get into a rhythm. The Bruins are in the same spot. It's difficult for Swayman and Olmark to get going here when they play once a week because of the schedule and wanting to get the other guy in that. Yeah, I mean, that's been, I don't want to say our Achilles heel. The the goaltending has been okay, and as of the last, I mean, Olmark in his last seven starts, 5-2, 2.17 goals against, like a 9.29 save percent. Like, the the numbers are okay, but agreed completely. Like, how do you get a team into a certain way as a goalie, like you said, when you were already alternating starts to begin with, how do you become – the 1A instead of just kind of the 1A, 1B, the flip-flop. Like, yeah, it's not a good look. The the Islanders as a whole are, when I look at teams in the NHL, I think the Islanders as a team. They're not one person that's going to get you over the hump. It's a complete A through Z. We need every guy here to do his job for us to be as good of a team as we can be. And without them getting into anything right now, of course it's difficult and it sucks. Like, you know, I want to watch hockey. I want to watch fucking hockey. And one last thing when talking about, uh, the, I guess like the current standings, how about my Vancouver Canucks eight, one and one in the last 10, uh, Boudreau got them seven wins in a row from his hiring. They're now only three points out of fourth in a division, five points out of third. They're right. Make a little bit more of a run. They have a few games in hand. Uh, Calgary has the most games in hand in that division, but they're right there back in it. Uh, so if they end up making a run here and taking a wild card spot, talk about making that decision at the right time and not waiting until January because that's 16 points off the table right there. I mean, they're playing with the spark too. And I, I don't want to say greener had lost the room, but we haven't seen this team play like this since, you know, last year, the beginning yep. of the year. So th- there's definitely been a funk. And, I mean, hats off to fucking Jim Benning, a guy who was already on the hot seat, to make that switch and then lose his job, too. <laughs> and also, uh, I know we randomly text each other throughout the week about random tidbits that we read about or hear about. So remember a couple of weeks ago, there was that rumor the Rangers were ch- pushing hard with Chicago to get Kaner? Yes. So want to know how those talks apparently ended, according to uh, one of the beat guys? Oh, that should be good. Yeah, lay it on me. We'll give you Kane for Igor. 
I mean, and Ranger's like, have... never mind. <laughs> don't, don't they have flour? That, that should be all right. Um, so speaking was... of speaking of Chicago, uh, I read this crazy thing, and it has not been vocal as to which players it was, but two Blackhawks players went out to dinner the other night, and I guess. Uh, the Fulton area of Chicago. I guess it's one of the nice areas. I, I don't know. But uh, they said the two guys ended up going up there. They valeted their cars. They went inside for dinner. I guess some people had shown up that were uh, carrying uh, guns. And I guess they robbed the valet and took the two Blackhawks players' cars. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh at that, but <laughs> no, but no, I guess that was what they said. It was basically just uh, two. They called them two luxurious cars, whatever they went by that, and uh, I guess they were taken from the valet. So, I mean, and I've just chuckled because of what are the odds that they chose the same spot to be at at the exact same time with everything going on where they get their cars jacked, but, um, yeah, the other thing I want to hit on really quick before I get into, I guess, my main topic for tonight before we can review, how are the New Jersey Devils, the Miami Marlins of the National Hockey League, where every offseason they make a move, they have some new young kids, everybody's like, they're going to make the jump this year, this is it. This is now, what, year three of them winning the offseason, and then they still can't play for shit when the regular season starts i will say they they have come back and since the break that they've been playing really good hockey um yeah they won three in a row but then they lose hamilton out he broke his jaw so he's out for at least a month four to six weeks yeah, yeah. easy and i mean i don't want to say it or sound like a, but it's dougie hamilton too dougie's softer than fucking puppy <laughs> shit. like, like it, it'll be two months and it'll be depending on the way it looks because i mean but we're at the beginning of January, so say if it takes, you know, closer to eight weeks and we're at the end of February going towards March and they're completely out of it, you think Dougie's coming back to play or is no. he tying it up for the year? I don't, I don't think so either. And then they lose Bernier for the year to the hip injury. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it ever goes right for them, but <laughs> unfortunate. I, I like this team last year and the year before, and when we were making our preseason predictions – I, I said, no, I, I said, no, I said, I don't care what additions they make. Uh, they're at the prove me stage at this point, because I'm not going to pick them and get it shoved up my hoop until they prove me wrong. <laughs> like I'm not doing it anymore. And the only player that we still come away impressed with the devils is our boy Dawson Mercer. He looks good, man. He, yeah. He looks, he looks like a player might not be a top line guy, but he's a guy that's going to be on uh, perennial contenders for his career. Well, it was, um, so the beginning of the game today, I ironic about our trip to Newark there. So Jack Edwards is talking and he's going, um, and Dawson Mercer looked great the last time the Bruins saw these guys in Newark. And I was like, all right, Jack, boom, we're on the same page. And the other thing he brought up, Andreas Janssen. He said, uh, Andreas Janssen or in New Jersey, Johnson. He goes, he doesn't care which way you call him. Either way is fine. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? He doesn't care which way. You, like, oh, I was like, that's great. You can't have it both ways. Like, No, you can't. It, it's what's your name? 
it's not Benjamin or Benjamin. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the, depending on where you are, right? <laughs> um, the other topic that I wanted to ask you about, and this is spurred by the Rangers game last night, but the Oilers started off the year hot. We question their hot start because, again, the goaltending is dog shit. And when a team is giving Cody Cece top four minutes, I will always question their ability to succeed over the long haul. Their fourth line, their bottom six step blows. So maybe this is their true talent level, but they're two, eight and two in their last 12. Tippett's on a hot seat. They go to Madison Square Garden last night. They have three shots on goal in the first period. My question is, never mind bringing in, bringing in a new coach. They've done that before. New GM, they've done that before. Switching up their old players, they've done that. When is it time to break up McDavid and Dreisaitl? I mean... Do you ever break them up, or do you just find a way to make it work? No, I, I think you have to share the wealth. It, it, at some point, this has to happen, and was it last year or the year before? Because my COVID brain kicks on as to wh- when was Dreisaitl Dreisaitl? Was it two years ago? Uh, Yeah, last year, the shortened year. I mean, he still was like one among the league leaders, but it was the year before that when McDavid was out for a significant amount of time. Like they had like 50 goals and like 50 yes. games or something. So that year, but even when McDavid came back, they still kept them separated. Yeah. So I think you need to separate them, and I understand no, I mean, that. Like, trade one of them. Oh Jesus! Um, no, I, I I don't think they can. Like I understand the haul that they'd be getting back in return, but what you have here, this isn't like a Jack Eichel in the sense of, you know what? Well, we can lose a little bit. We can take on Peyton Krebs and see what he turns out to be. We can take Alex Tuck, who's already an established player. No, you have a legitimate, I mean, you have the best player in the league and you have a top five player in the league. You can't get rid of that. You need to find a way to work it. And granted, we could have the argument about hockey player salary and how McDavid is extremely underpaid. Sure. But at the same time, for the money he's making in the NHL, being the highest paid player. (laughs) Yeah, like being the highest paid player in the league. Like, you need to be better. And this isn't a hit against McDavid saying he's not better and he's not the greatest player in the game. I don't want it to be taken that way. But you need to make the people around you better as well. And I understand that he can snap his fingers, boom, and take over a game and do whatever it is that he wants to do. I, I understand that. But you need to be able to do it on nights where it's not working for you, where you try to take off and you go through the middle and the puck jumps over your stick. You need to be able to make the pass to somebody else getting there for somebody else to do it for you, too. And separate them, put them on separate lines, whatever it is. But yes, what we've discussed before, he gets paid a lot of money and they're not able to put the surrounding pieces around them. Whose fault is that? We've seen other we've seen other teams that have a better structure in place, like my Bruins, for example, where we're not like Toronto, where 
we have such a higher end where our bottom's going to suck because either A, we need to put prospects who aren't proven in there, or B, bring in guys on league minimum in hopes that this will be a good year for them or hopes that they're going to turn it around because it's a contract year, it's a prove-it year for them. No. You need some sort of establishment. So, And the, the only saving grace here when it comes to cap is he had... Connor makes twelve and a half million, but Leon only makes eight and a half. So that two of them together basically are at twenty million dollars. So it's ten million dollars each if you look at it that way. Yep. Which is still high, but it's not super prohibitive. It's not Toronto. Yeah. So for me the question is more of like do you constantly just battle for a wild card spot? with these two carrying you and having the number one power play unit, or do you try and just choose one to build around and then trade the other for a massive fucking haul and rebuild your organization around that one guy? Um, In hopes of just doing that. Yeah. That's fucking tough. And my thing is, is it a slam dunk that you keep Connor? I don't know. I mean... Dreisaitl's a proven guy, and, and this is the other thing too, right? Gretzky started his career out in Edmonton. He didn't fucking end it there. Yeah, nobody's not nobody's above getting traded. That was that was just a thought I was having last night because watching the game, Dreisaitl is getting involved physically. He's getting involved defensively. I'm not saying McDavid is a one-trick pony. But, yeah, but they're definitely two separate players. Yeah. Completely. So, like, you notice McDavid when he gets the puck on his stick. Otherwise, and I know that it's one game, so I'm not labeling his entire season based on last night's game, but I've seen it in other Oiler games that I watched. You notice him when he has the puck on his stick. You don't when he doesn't. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing that makes it a little scary for me in terms of a long playoff run, if he doesn't score every single game, is he doing the things to help you win? And I'm not trying to say he needs to be a fucking sulky award winner here, but I, you just notice that I'm a little bit more dry side on and watching the game last night. I was like, I wonder what, what Kev thinks about if they should trade one of them or if which one would they should they trade if they did. <laughs> if I'm picking one to trade... I would pick McDavid. And to trade McDavid or keep him? To trade him. Okay. In the end, if we were picking just one or the other to keep, I would trade McDavid because what you would get in return is probably untouchable. Uh, you would get... It's like basically a blank check. Exactly. So, so what was it? ESPN did the 30 for 30. Duh. King's Ransom, right? Yep. It would be the same thing. You could hold them over the barrel for whatever you wanted. And you want a number one star D prospect? Here you go. You want an up-and-coming D guy? Here you go. You want a star centerman? Here you go. Like, And it would give them a whole bunch of cap relief. And that's the thing. you got to find a team that can fit them into the cap. And yeah, I mean, let me pull up cap-friendly right now just to see where the basement's at. If I'm just saying, you know, he would fit with Colorado. Uh, I mean, Buffalo currently, <laughs> Buffalo currently in the basement. They have a current cap space of twenty-two million. Uh, if we look for someone middle ground, 
I mean, the Devils still have thirteen million in cap space on the books. Uh, hey, you my boys in you have my to boys in Ottawa, Hughes, right? As part of that deal, that you'd have to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, my my Senators have fifteen million on the books. Uh, the Blue Jackets seventeen. The the Predators are probably the the ones that are scary here in the sense of current cap space on the Preds eighteen six. And then he could probably just dump one of Johansson or Duchesne's contracts like in a buyout. Yeah. I, though I will say, I, I think Duchesne is having, for what the past two years in Nashville have been, this is a very crucial comeback year for him. And he's playing a lot better, thank God. In 29 games, he has 29 points, which he was not even close to before. Jack Hughes, Ty Smith, and four first-round picks. Four first-rounders. Wow, that's tough. But, I mean, hey, that that changes your future. And then Edmonton, you still have a 2C. You got a top-pairing defenseman and four first-rounders. And the Devils keep Mercer. Yeah, and I I would keep – and they still got to have Heischer. Yeah. Damn. I, I love this shit. I could do this all night. But <laughs> um, so getting back to our, our boys in Boston and New York, uh, what do you got for a weekend review? I know you guys haven't played too too much, but uh, your offense is still uh, blowing chunks, my friend. Yeah. Um, well, we're currently we're tied 3-3, uh, nine minutes left in the third. Um one thing that I, I just don't like. So so we come back and we played Buffalo on Saturday on New Year's Day, 1 o'clock. And we, we end up coming from behind and we win the game. And, you know, it's nice to see the mentality of coming behind and winning a game. Like, great, awesome. But the one problem that I just personally have is this is kind of what dictates your team. There are certain teams you should play and you should win against. And you shouldn't have to come from behind against the Buffalo Sabres. And I don't want to sound like a dick because, you know, these are professional hockey players and everything else, but you want to dictate your season. Play up to the caliber team that you are, not to the caliber team you're playing. You shouldn't have to score four goals in the third period to beat the Buffalo Sabres. shouldn't have to. You should be able to come in and win. Um then the next day in Detroit, I, I thought we played okay in Detroit. We, we had a good game, got a little chippy. It, it was nice to see some reaction from the boys. Uh, tonight, it, it's been a little chippy as well here with the Devils. Um, one of my things is David Pasternak is completely out of it. So we currently have Martian Bergeron and now Craig Smith as that first line right wing. And Smitty's playing good up there. Uh, I think he gives them a different look. So he goes in. He's mucking in the corners. He had a beautiful setup on Sunday with Bergeron. Marchand was in the corner, kind of did his thing, rolled out, uh, punched it down to Smith there. Smitty made a move, and then he gave a beautiful pass to Berg. He buries a top shelf. And I I think Craig Smith's hands is probably one thing that uh, surprises people. I don't think people think he's as smooth as he is. But Pasta, man, he is having a rough go. Taylor Hall, another rough go. And we had this conversation earlier this whole year about how Charlie Coyle is not a 2C. He is not. He's not even the second-line center anymore. He's the third-line center. We put Eric Halla in there. Oh, so, my God. 
Yeah, it, it's been tough. Um, obviously, you know, like, like we've discussed basically this whole episode in general, that th- this COVID thing and everything and just our schedule in the beginning of the year was very spaced out to begin with. And then you add in these COVID delays and now we have guys who have gone out on COVID and X, Y, and Z. And I think it's been hard to find a chemistry. Um, Nick Felino has finally started to appear a little bit in just seeing him more involved where he's coming in, he's stirring the pot up, he's finishing checks. I like seeing that he scored his first goal the other day. I mean, is he the player, caliber player that he used to be? No, but could he do the little things that'll, you know, that are noticeable? Yes. Um, Trent Frederick has come on, and I want to see him be more of a pain in the side that he's been in the past. Uh, He scored his first goal the other day as well, scored another one tonight. Curtis Lazar scored one tonight. I just... um, Our secondary scoring is, is finally starting to come around but nowhere near an elite status or anything like that. We, we just have guys that are just being fortunate and finally popping a couple of pucks in. So, A, we're still relying extremely on our first line, even though it's not Pasternak. Like, like we're still relying heavily on Bergeron, Marchand, and whoever that guy is, currently Craig Smith. Um relying a heavily a lot on Charlie McAvoy to get pucks out for us and transition an offense. Um, they like said the goalies have been okay. Allegedly we have already reached a deal with Tuka Rask. Now we have to see what happens. Now there's rumors going on, but I, I don't believe them that allegedly we're going to ship Lin- Linus Olmark to the Oilers, but there's one problem. We signed him for four years and he has a complete no movement. So, I don't think he's going to do his no movement for that. But what do I know? Maybe he thinks Edmonton has a better chance. So he'll say, sure, send me there. And he's like but, the clear cut number one. Yeah. And he goes in there and he's over Smitty. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. We'll see. It, it, it's just it, it's just ugly. It, it just needs to be a lot cleaner. I feel like you guys reached an agreement with the wrong former Bruin. Oh boy, lay it on me, baby. You don't need another goaltender. You need Krejci back. Well, I guess allegedly Krejci said, I am not coming back this year. I am going to be over there for the year. I I guess he said next year is open to consideration, but this year he's there. But no, I agree completely. For all those people who hated on David Krejci, I mean, Now you see what you lost. Oh, dude, like... This David Krejci was a silent assassin for us. Like every year, his wingers would change. Uh, no bullshit. You never heard a, a peep out of him. Always played out, and then there'd be people bitching. It's like this guy got you sixty fucking points with nobody on his wings. Yeah, but it's, it, but it's not good European. It, it was just it was crazy to me. And then seeing Krejci go because I mean th- this team in general was only gonna go as far as David Krejci took them. And what I mean by that before you say, what do you mean, Bershon and Marcian are the best guy on the team? Yeah, I get that. But when you go to a place and they get shut down, you need that next line to step up, and that's David Krejci, and this team was going to go only go as far as Krejci took them. Like, Krejci's the driver on that line. He's going to drive you to new places. And Boston and, had to 
built-in advantage because both Bergeron and Krejci played every facet of the game. They were on oh, yeah. the ice five on five. They were on the ice power play and PK. Mm-hmm. So that was a built-in advantage. The other thing is, um, shit. What was I gonna say? Oh, how fucked are you guys if Bergeron hangs them up after this year? Big time. <laughs> like, don't Big you, time. don't you just tear it all down and start over? I think you have to. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just seeing like how you guys are struggling with how crazy is. Like, holy fuck. No, but but I think you're right though. If if he ends up hanging him up at the end of this year because he says he just wants to take it year by year and just go. I mean, if he thinks his body's beat up. Uh, Patrice Bergeron's not a guy who's going to come here and give you a half-ass effort. Yeah. He's going to give you everything he has. So if at the end of this year he goes, you know, my body's beat to shit and that's it, I'm hanging him up, That I respect it 100%. You know, you do you. You want to be able it. to play to a certain thing. Yeah, absolutely. So, <coughs> excuse me. But, um, yeah, no, if he hangs him up, we have to completely, complete rebuild mode. Complete. Um. The Rangers week in review, so they went down. Uh, number one in the NHL, that's all you got to say. Next. Yeah. Starting this podcast, Rangers, uh, number one team in the National Hockey League. They have a few games in hand. Uh, well, they don't have Carolina's a few games in hand, so that's not going to last too long. Um, but the fact that, like what we were speaking about earlier with trying to get into a rhythm, the starts and stops, the cancellations, that Gallant can come in as a new coach, implementing a new system with new guys and get results the way he has. Like, obviously, things aren't perfect, um, but you can't fake your way to number one. You can, fake your, you can fake your way to a playoff spot. You can't fake the number one. And one of the re- last remaining questions about this team was, can they beat other quality opponents because before this week they were, I think uh, three and six or three and seven against teams that were playoff teams right now at the time that they played those teams. So this week they ended up playing Florida, Tampa Bay back to back and then Edmonton so far. And the Rangers, they should have won against the Panthers. They uh, gave up two late goals Um, So they lose that game. Then they come back against the Lightning in Tampa Bay, beat them 4-3 in a shootout, and turn around two days later and utterly dominate them uh, at the Garden and win 4-0. And then the very next night, last night, completely dominate the Edmonton Oilers. So I know they're struggling, but you still have all the guys in that team. They beat them 4-1, kind of answering the questions of, is this team for real? Now, it's a little... It's odd thinking that this team's for real. Like I keep waiting for the other shoe to drop, and now we're into into January, and the shoe hasn't dropped yet. And we, again, we beat Tampa and Edmonton back to back without Panarin. Uh, we just got Lindgren back. Um, Igor was out. The game against Tampa game was a good game too. Yeah, the first Tampa game, uh, there were six guys, uh, not available to play. We we won that game. So. Like I said, at the very beginning of the year, there's a noticeable change in the mental resiliency of this team. And again, a lot of these guys were here last year. So it's easy to see the difference. There's just a lot of 
especially early on, we were winning games because, and we weren't playing well. And it kind of came off as where the guys were like, if we're winning games now, just wait till we get going. There was like this weird, they gained confidence from winning games when they shouldn't have. And now they're winning games when they should. So now they believe they can win any game, which is a great mindset to have, obviously. Um, Igor is still Igor in net. Um, Still, the one concern for me is the depth. And right now, so with Panarin out, Lafreniere has been on the first line with Zibanejad and has played his some of the best hockey of the season, which to me is like, well, no shit. The young, skilled forwards playing well when he plays with young, skilled forwards, not Julian Gauthier. Um, the difficult position is Panarin's going to be back on Thursday against Vegas. So Lafreniere is going to go back to the third line. So my issue is if Lafreniere is stuck on the third line this year because he's not comfortable playing the right side and neither is Kreider, you can't waste him away in the third line. You got to improve the third line. And I think losing Sammy Blay hurt a lot um, more than a lot of people probably thought that his injury would cause. But right now, Philip Peedle is not doing anything with the 3C. Gauthier has about three outside rushes per game because of his speed, where he tries to cut to the net and either loses the puck or does the same stupid fucking move and gets stopped. That's the only thing he brings to the game is, I'll take the puck wide and then cut to the middle of the, middle of the ice in front of the goal. And that's the only thing he ever does. So you got to improve that third line. And once everybody's back healthy, the issue is they still don't have a winger to play with Mika and Kreider because right now that's Barkley Goodrow, which he's playing well right now, but he's not a first-line winger. So you got there's about anywhere from two to three forward spots need to get improved by the deadline if I'm going to really buy into this team making a run. And... One of the guys that keeps getting rumored is Riley Smith from Vegas because of the cap situation with Eichel coming back. Where they, if they can clear out his $5 million cap hit, you can get him on, on a low. And I think he would slide in real well with either Panarin and Strom or Kreider and Sabanajad. So that solves one issue. The other top six spot goes to uh, Kako. And now you have Goodrow on the third line with Lafreniere, which is okay. But then you got to improve the 3C. So... I don't know if it's somebody like John Crook from Seattle, um, something like that, but they got to do something. And I think if they kind of fill that top six role, which should have been Kravtsov, if he didn't fucking cry and bitch and moan back to Russia again, he would be playing in the top six all year so far. Um, but those are the two spots. If they come away from a deadline improving in those areas, then I'm all in. They have the goaltending. They have the North Trophy winner. They have Truba on the second pair. Uh, Lindgren and Miller are fine in the top four. They're the fifth best penalty kill team in the league. They're the seventh best power play. We just need to shore up the edges of the forward group a little bit, and then I'm all in. And, I mean, you guys have been good without Lingren. Do you think he comes in and puts a monkey wrench in the D, or you think he's going to slide back in there? Because that's just one angry man, like in <laughs> general. Like he, he just it, nothing is ever easy with him. He, he is just like balls to the wall with everything. You think one day he just want to be like, 
Hey, man, you could just take the night off. Take it easy. Just, <laughs> just put the puck in their corner. Like, you'll be fine. Well, he came back last night against Edmonton. He played, I think, 16 minutes. Uh, had an assist, four hits, two block shots. Took a puck to the teeth where uh, he is on a bench and he's licking his teeth to make sure he has all of them and Fox is just making fun of him. Um, so he came back last night. Lingren, it basically reminds me of Buku Boom and Leach from back in the day. One guy who, in any other situation, would not be in your top uh, defensive pairing because of just utter lack of offensive skills in Lingren. But he just has so much chemistry with Fox, just like Buku Boom have with Leach, that it just works. So having him back does help because right now Libra Hayek is getting a consistent top six minutes. And whew, for the guy who was the make or break for that McDonough deal, he fucking sucks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like the Rangers held out for him. Now you look back at that deal, right? The Rangers traded McDonough and JT Miller for Brett Howden, who's off the team. Libra Hayek, who's at best a sixth defenseman. And then the first round pick that they got turned out to be Niels uh, Lundqvist, which is a good turnaround. But it's basically Lundqvist for McDonough and JT Miller. Like, that's not a good return on that trade. Like, that's the one trade that Gordon fucked up on. And, and I mean, that was the one trade, too, that you, there was the hope. It was like, you know, they're going to go win a cup, but it's going to be great because... We're getting these guys, yeah. and we're turning it around. We're getting rid of the cap space. I mean, I think it would, just for the cap dump, you guys did all right. Yeah, because there was no way we were going to resign McDonough because of his injuries. Um, and he just found a new life in Tampa Bay because he's not the focal point there. And then Miller was just, he found his game in Vancouver. Like, even Tampa Bay flipped him. So... The issue for me was there were rumors the Rangers were going to get Sergachev back in the deal. They were going to be going after uh, Cal Foot and first-round picks, and then we ended up with a fourth-line winger and a seventh defenseman and a couple of draft picks. <laughs> but, yeah, that's the week of review. So they play Vegas this coming Thursday and Anaheim on Saturday. So two more tests this week. If the Rangers win both of those, man, as a uh, – Another podcast would say, wagons, the boys are rolling. <laughs> I will say, if you look at this week for games of the week, holy shit, okay. as long as th these teams actually play, uh, there's a lot on the menu. Yep. Uh, I was going to say, like, we can move into our game of the week, lock of the week picks. Uh, all right. I I'm just going to rattle some games off just, just so people are like, I'm, I'm not just Spitfire. So. Thursday, Minnesota at Boston, uh, Calgary at Tampa Bay, um, Winnipeg at Colorado, as long as they stay going, Rangers at Vegas. Yep. This is just Thursday. Yep. We get to Friday. I mean, I, I like the Calgary at Carolina matchup. I like Washington at St. Louis. I think those are two good games. Toronto at Colorado on Saturday. I was going to say Toronto, Colorado, Boston at Tampa. Florida, Carolina. Yeah, I mean, I like it. I like Ottawa, Vancouver, too. Yeah. And then uh, what do we got? And you guys against Anaheim as well. Yeah, so. and then the other game I wanted to highlight, which is on Wednesday, is uh, St. Louis and Pittsburgh. Uh, see, Pittsburgh's one of those teams this year where it's like, I kind of wrote them off, but, but they're right there. 
Yeah, they're annoyingly consistent in their ability to stay relevant despite the number of injuries they have year after year. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> you look at them every year and you're like, oh, shit, another injury, another injury. Bruins won 5-3, to three, so that's good. So we're 3-0 and in our return, too. So The boys are buzzing. <laughs> Don't know about that. All right, so plenty of games of the week to choose from. What's your lock of the week? Right. By the way, we're both one and one to start the year. One and one, really? Yeah. I don't, I don't believe that. <laughs> My lock of the week, and I mean now I'm probably just reaching. I'm going Saturday night, Nashville at Arizona. That's not a reach, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go. I've been waffling on between these two games. I want to take a chance here. I want to go Saturday, January 8th, San Jose over Philadelphia on a road in Philly. Okay. I like that. I don't like Philly at all. No, Philly is no, no good this year. So I'll take San Jose. Who do you got for shout outs? Shout outs this week. I have you, my friend. Thank oh. you very much. I came home today. I had a uh, wonderful package on my doorstep. Uh, yeah, you did. A very nice package. Um, so thank you for that. I was like, wow, I was like, this is really fucking nice. So w- when you come down in the summertime, you'll have to uh, see me using it to its uh, full and utter capability. Yeah, everybody's just like, what the fuck is he talking about? Using nah, my you know, I, to its full capabilities. They're, they're not even going to tell them, you know. They, they don't need to know. Private, private <laughs> stock. But, uh, I'll, I'll no, bring protection. Yes. Well, thank you very much, sir. It is much appreciated. Um, Anybody else this way? Uh, We were supposed to go uh, tomorrow night to the UMass Lowell Bentley game, but I got a text message say that that has been postponed, so we're not going there. Um, Shout out to Big Red. I know the hospital situation is currently utter insanity, but you're stepping up. You're doing good. So proud of you, girl. And uh, you usually don't hear this one from me, so you know, I might take a step back. I, I need to give a shout out to Susan for taking oh, uh, Emma for the week for us. So, yeah, yeah. Shout outs this week for me. I'm gonna give a shout out to the one family member you didn't name. I'm gonna give a shout out to your sister Sierra. Just because. Just because. <laughs> All right, she that's hasn't fair. been jack shit for me lately, but I know. She's ride or die for you, and that means she's ride or die for me. So that's all that matters. We'll keep her around. Um, anybody else for shots? I mean, New Year's was pretty low key. I don't know how it was for you. I ended up going to uh, Westport, Connecticut, with the coaster. I uh, spent a couple of days there to bring in a New Year. Just want to get out of the city and stop ha- stop having to force myself to see middle-aged white women with purple hair wearing three masks at a time because they were outside. Um, oh, I thought because it was New Year's Eve, you were talking about like pissing and shitting in a diaper to watch the ball drop. Um, so. Well, that too, but the the craziness that you see in this city sometimes because of the New York Times. Um, but yeah, so just got out of city, so it was a nice little getaway, and then uh, yeah, that's that's it for me. Yeah, I was going to say, we went up to, uh, it wasn't for New Year's, we came back New Year's Eve, but we went up to North Conway for a couple of days, so it was nice just uh, getting out of Dodge. I, I fucking love it up there, man. Just nice, peaceful. 
I told Redder, I said, let's just sell the house and move up there. <laughs> you got to tell uh, MP Ansaldi. I should let Ansaldi know. I mean, I know he's not there anymore, but I mean, you know, he, he might be able to bring us up there and give us the tour. Oh, though, not a shout out. I Well, I guess it is a shout out. So this year was the 10th year that uh, me, Mike, uh, Phil, a couple other guys from LaSalle have been in a fantasy football league together. And I made it once again to the championship, which was this past Sunday, to face off against Phil. And all week long, I was waffling back and forth between these two decisions. Do I start Russell Wilson or Jalen Hurts at QB? And do I start Ezekiel Elliott or uh, Singletary at running back? And all week, I had Wilson and Elliott in a lineup. And then on Saturday afternoon, I was like, you know what? Oh, no, I had uh, yeah, I had those in the lineup. And then I switched, and I put Hertz in over Wilson, and then I kept Elliott in over a Singletary. And those two decisions bombed. Where I looked at the point difference, and if I kept my original lineup in, I would have beat Phil by one point. No, <laughs> instead, come on. Instead, Phil won. And his last player was in the... Steelers Browns game and I was looking at his production and then I went and looked at the matchup and I did the math and I was like please don't tell me that if I didn't make those changes I would have won and then when I did the math and I would have won I was like I'd rather have gotten blown out that's the worst because now I know if I didn't fuck around with my lineup I would have won 300 bucks (laughs) so congrats to Phil it's I always like the fact that it's 10 years that we've I uh, had this league, and out of 10 years, either me, Phil, or Mike have won like seven of them. Well, that's all then. That. At least you guys are dominating the league. Yeah. So, yeah, a little, that's going to gnaw me all offseason that I made those fucking decisions. I was going to say, I mean, you, you guys are beating Becker, right? That's all that matters to me. You know, Becker finished first in the league in a regular season, then got bowed out in the first round by Phil. Poor guy can't finish. He's the uh, Washington Capitals of our league. <laughs> <laughs> But that's it for me. That's awesome. Well, no, that that's all I got. I, I thought this was good. I think we should do it again. Yeah, maybe. You think like next week or something? Possibly. You know, unless uh, we have to uh, forfeit our episode. Well, I hope not. <laughs> Just don't get in protocol in the interim, all right, pal? All right, I'll I'll continue to stay a hermit uh, recluse with Kobe. All right, you snuggle up with her. I'm going to go snuggle up my big brindle baby upstairs. (laughs) But everybody, thank you as always. We'll catch you guys next week. Bye-bye. My girl is banging. She's so low maintenance. Don't need no champagne, poppin' entertainment Take her to Wendy's, can't keep her off me She wanna dip me like them fries in her frosty But every now and then when I get paid I gotta spoil my baby with an upgrade hey, hey, hey. Yeah, we fancy like Applebee's on a date night Got that Bourbon Street stay with the Oreo shake And some whipped cream on the top too Two straws, one check, girl, I got you Bougie like Natty in the styrofoam Sweet, 
squeaking in the truck bed all the way home. Some Alabama jammer, she my Dixieland delight. That's how we do, how we do, fancy life.